0: To this law in sport podcast with me Sean Cottrell, the CEO and co-founder of Law in Sport. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't tuned in before, the Law in Sport podcast is here to help you understand the latest legal issues and developments from the world of sport, and get to know some of the key personalities of the of those people working behind the scenes uh, to keep sport running and running successfully and running well. I'm delighted to welcome. Our special guest today, his name is Alan Darphy. He's currently the Chief Executive Officer at the Herefordshire, Herefordshire, Herefordshire FA. He's previously had roles with the Rugby Football League and the England FA. He's also uh, presently an ad hoc hearing body member of the International Paralympic Committee and part of the National County Football Association Disciplinary Panel of England FA. The other important thing to mention is Alan has had a diverse career that we're going to hear about where he's moved from private practice to in-house, back to private practice to in-house and then into a non-legal role. So I'm going to be absolutely delighted to and and so pleased to have you with us, Alan. Um, How are you doing?
1: Yeah, very well, (laughs) Sean. How are you? It's a good introduction. Uh, You know, at least you didn't say Hertfordshire. Normally we get confused with Hertfordshire. (laughs) So you got Herefordshire eventually.
0: Hooray! Um, (laughs) Well, I've done one thing right today, so I'm quite pleased with that. Um, Now, can you just start off? As I say, a good place to start is the beginning. Um, Can you tell us um, how you first started to get involved in sports law? Obviously, you qualified as a lawyer. When, but when did you first started to get in acting for sports clients? And how did you know? And because you've had this really unusual career path.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. unusual is is, uh, is one way to say it. It's kind of a, a long-winded approach to qualifications. So it started way back when I was about probably 11 or 12, and someone said, what do you want to be when you're old?" And I said, a lawyer. And everyone said, that's great, do that. And I didn't really understand what it meant, and no one else did, but I just went with it. And um, then the more I looked into it, I thought, you know, this, this looks quite interesting. So I, I did a law degree at university um, and just hated it just literally was so excited. Day one, I was just like, this is not for me at all. Just really struggled with it. But I knew that it was going to give me lots and lots of transferable skills. And I wasn't, you know, going to do a year and quit and do something else. So I stuck with it and finished my degree and thought, right, I'm absolutely not going to do anything to do with that whatsoever. Um, and I moved to London and, um, Literally was just applying for jobs, applying for jobs all over the place. And I was thinking, right, I spoke to my dad, said, What is it that I like doing? What am I passionate about? If you can find a role in something you're passionate about, going to work is easy. So, you know, I've got mates of mine who work, sort of earn a load of money selling cardboard boxes, but they go to work and talk about cardboard boxes all day. So I don't want to do that. So, applying for jobs, any job in sport, and I mean any job in sport. And You know, a a lot of my story is hard work, focus, dedication, and as with everyone, luck. Literally, the only job I got an interview for was my dream job at that point, football association, discipline officer, real basic admin. Um, You know, you're in there, you're processing red and yellow cards, you're dealing with appeals against county football associations. Eventually, you're then acting as secretary to commissions and, and, and panels. So I started that role and I thought, right, I'm gonna, this is me, I'm, I'm working in sport, absolutely great. And then over time, I started working with lots of lawyers. And I was just like, you know what, actually, it wasn't law that didn't interest me or fascinate me, it was just what I was doing, what I was studying. And as soon as I saw that there was a focus that I could concentrate on, which was an area that I, I care deeply about and I'm passionate about, it just all made sense. So... That's when I started to think, actually, you know, I've got my law degree, I'm already working in sport. If I can move on through the next stages of my development, then there's going to be lots of roles out there for me. Um, so I did my LPC part-time through work. Um Really tough. So you know. So,
0: so importantly, though, you got the job,
1: <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. You actually got the job.
1: <laughs> yeah. So 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 I, I, I got this job, and you know, again, you know, the you know, I just I got on really well with the person in the team who was interviewing me. Um, we just hit it off straight away. Um, I had administrative experience, so I left uh, left university, moved back home, and worked in a finance department at the council. Just real basic admin. So. What the job was looking for was, was really strong administrative skills and a, a passion and knowledge for football because you needed it to do the role. Um, and, you know, I've always been passionate about sport, particularly football. So um, I had the skills. I got on with the person who was interviewing me very well. And I'm still good friends with her. Um, and yeah, just just absolutely loved it and was just meeting lawyers. Just And then I was thinking, right, so... Part of that role was acting as a secretary to discipline cases. Um, so I'd sit there and the FA would have a lawyer. The other side would have a lawyer. There'd be a lawyer on the panel. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, I'd love to do what those guys are doing. But, you know, I'm <laughs> from a pretty ordinary background. I don't sound, uh, I don't sound like lots of them. Um, and my accent is very much softened these days. Um, but, you know, there's, if, if, if you have a focus and drive and you know where you want to end up, I'm a big believer that you're, you'll end up there. You just have to be patient with it. So, did my LPC part time, um, developed those skills, just kept developing in my role, kept working hard. And so, so
0: for those, so 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 for those people that don't know, is that the LPC is the law practice course. So that's what you, if you're going to become a qualified solicitor, you have to do this before you become a qualified solicitor. Although that's changing. And so, so you did a law practice course. So you're doing that uh, whilst working full time, and then what? happened?
1: Yeah so I did that whilst working full-time qualified and in that time I'd kind of moved around a bit in the FA so I realized that with my legal skills that there were other roles that I could I could be performing in within the FA rather than just sort of mainly administrative so I did a stint in uh, safeguarding um, as a case officer so reviewing safeguarding cases and presenting those to the safeguarding panel um, in terms of suspensions uh, I then moved across to the Regulatory Legal Department. So the Regulatory Legal Department was um, the sort of in-house legal function within the Governance and Regulation Division. So um, assisting with the investigation of alleged breaches, um, issuing the charges and prosecuting the cases. Um, so I worked with names that people across sport will know well, so uh, Matthew Johnson, and Dario Givinelli, um both. You know, we're doing excellent things then and have moved on to do different things um, worked with Amina Graham, who is still at the Football Association. So strong team of barristers. And I was in essence providing, you know, the, the, the administrative, but also the kind of solicitor role in that function. So um, helping them, um, prosecuting myself under supervision at first, but then later on my own cases further down the pyramid and again, just kind of really developing those skills. So as you know, so most people will will do your LPC kind of straight out of university, do it for a year full time, usually because they've got a training contract to go on to. Um, I wasn't in that position. So um, I was applying um, for training contracts and I was really keen to, to do it in-house at the Football Association. Um, and I had a really good, really, really, really good sort the training contract lined up um, and uh, my my director at the time just, just didn't fancy it. Just, uh, you know, I'm going to train you up to be a solicitor and then you'll leave. Um, it's investing a lot of time, effort and money. And, you know, that that killed me at the time. It was absolutely devastating. Now that I'm in a similar position, I think I'd have done the same. I don't think I, you know, in retrospect, I don't think I presented that well um, in terms of the argument for doing it um and it was so what would you
0: have changed so so well, so what would you have changed then so on that um what do you think because this is a, a skill uh to present these sort of cases um when you're looking for like promotion and career development now that you're a senior figure in an organization what do you think you would have changed in that presentation
1: so i focused too much on the benefits for me rather so it was very much You've already invested in me for my LPC. Um, I'm hardworking. This is what I will go on to do for the organization. and um, This is why you should invest in me rather than having that as part of my argument, but focusing on what was the benefits for the Football Association. Because I would like to think that there would have been real strong benefits. But the way I presented was very much an afterthought. And I, I reacted to, well, what happens if you want to leave? So that question was put to me and I reacted to it rather than presenting something because I had absolutely no intention of leaving. Why would you? Um, but because I didn't flag that and I reacted to it, you know, it, it looks a bit, you know, we, we can see what's gonna happen here, Alan.
0: Yeah. And I think Joe, it's such a great point as well though, that that, that so so there's something you said there, which was thinking about the questions you're gonna be asked, which is that are you going to leave? Because I think it's a real challenge for, for people when they're, you know, we, we deal with this with our recruitment division and just do with our mentoring, uh, you know, all the time, which is trying to say to people, look, look, if you are presenting the case forward, look at, show the benefits, but also understand that you are going to get some benefits yourself. But there's this, particularly if you've been struggling and striving so long, you can see the opportunity is there. And to you, it all all makes perfect sense. Yeah, I can You know, it's understandable when you're a young person that you, Presented in the way you presented, because you're yeah. assuming that they're seeing all the things that you're not saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing that, which is really crucial is sometimes it's timing. You know, y- you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe there's been maybe there's been a, a freeze on salary. Maybe someone's in the process of being made redundant, so that it's physically impossible. No matter how good someone is or how perfect the opportunity is, sometimes the timing just isn't right. And um, I think the key is. To just brush yourself down and, and move on and never lose sight of that, that focus on what your end game is. So at that point, my end game was qualification, working in sport. So it would have been really easy for me to, to let that completely destroy me and get to me. You know, I've worked for however many years. I thought it was going to be a given and I get the no. But all I did was just use that to spur me on. And actually, in hindsight, it's probably one of the best things that happened because if I had a qualified, I'd probably still be there um, rather than where I am now. And I'm exceptionally happy where I am now. So I basically just used it to spur me on. So just, um, you know, anyone who's, who's applying for training contracts at any point will, will you know, will have everyone say this. It's just about that right balance between numbers of application and quality of application and making sure that that you can hand on heart say, I am right for this role, and this role is right for me. So law firms receive hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications and they'll see right through a copy and paste. You might as well not waste your time. And back then, I don't know if it's changed now, but you know, the forms are two, three hours long to oh, complete. Horrendous. You just, you're just wasting your time. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, wasting yeah. your time. Just, you know, you're not gonna get anywhere.
0: So so you get told that you're not going to get the uh, trading contract that you want. Then, so you brush yourself off and go, right, I'm more determined than ever now.
1: Yeah. Then what do you do? Um, just keep applying. Just, just apply, 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 but top quality applications. So, so where did you end up? So I ended boardroom? up um, at a boutique sports practice. Um, so I applied to anywhere who had had any interest at any point in sport so chambers fantastic just work your way just chambers look at anyone who's involved in sport and just work your way down the list um and again it's about a lot of hard work a lot of dedication and a lot of luck so the firm that i ended up going to was a firm called front row legal and um, boutique sports practice based up in leeds um They weren't doing lots of football work at the time, really big in rugby league. So um, the guy there, a guy called Richard Kramer, um, he um, had a client which was Doncaster, Rovers chair. He uh, he got done for going down in the changing room or something along those lines. Um, And Richard did the case, defended it. Um, we kind of met through that way because I was prosecuting, he was, um, on the other side and just followed up that way. And of course I'd put myself in a position where, um, I on paper had lots to bring to the firm. So it worked well. Richard was looking to expand and was looking for a trainee. He wanted to do more football work. Um, I was in the FA had been there for a number of years and had lots and lots of contacts. And that's where, you know, I was just extremely lucky to, to have that role. Um because it meant that it was a good match and, and it worked. So went up to see Richard, um, did a week up there and then relocated up to Leeds and um and qualified. Um, which was good. It was it was very strange going from the football association, big sort of, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to a, a very small at that point BT practice. Um and
0: and how how long did you stay there for?
1: So I qualified. Um and during my my training contract and and sort of post qualification, one thing that that I've always done is so. Look, let's let's take a step back. I've I've been working towards qualifying as a solicitor for five years, something like that. So from the point of starting my LPC, at that point I start applying. I eventually come all the way through the system. I've had my heart broken here. I wound up with a really great opportunity. I relocate and qualify. But I'm a big believer in always being honest and true to yourself. What is it that's going to make me happy? Because life's too short. Life is too short to be miserable all the time. And you can't always change things straight away. But you should always have that desire to change it. So I knew deep down that I didn't want to work in private practice. Private practice is is great for some people. They absolutely love it. For me it just wasn't for me. So it was a question of, well, I've spent this many years trying to qualify. Surely I should stick this out. Surely I can't be thinking actually I'm not sure this is for me. I need to move away. But I just knew it wasn't it wasn't going to be right for me. So um Again, just I'm a big believer in, in writing lists down. So kind of remove, remove your emotion and subjectivity away from it and just have your pros and cons and your advantages, disadvantages, whatever you want to call them. So just write down lots of pros and cons for staying, lots of pros and cons for leaving, and then what sort of opportunities did I want? So um, I knew football was my sport um, at that point. Um, football was, was the sport I loved. Um, I'd grown to to be really passionate about rugby league in my time up working in Leeds because we did a lot of rugby league work. But football was my main sport. Um, what do I want to do? What have I really enjoyed in private practice? Um, I've enjoyed a couple of things. So I've enjoyed the 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 discipline cases because um, that was my bread and butter. That's what I've done for years and years and years and years, and really involved, enjoyed being involved in that process. Um, and then the operational side so the real sort of project management operational side that that no one really talks about until you're sort of actually working in private practice so much of your real good work is doing that is kind of you know you're you're you are that project manager in in you you get involved from a legal point of view but because you've got such wide skills you you pick up other bits and pieces as well so um started speaking to
0: so do you mean so do you mean, mean so when you're in house that so you said private practice but do you mean when you're in house you, the project management skills no 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 not, no so
1: so or do
0: you mean you mean actually mean in private practice the- yeah so not- actually in Did private right, okay. private
1: practice so what what we quite found and maybe it was the type of clients we had they we became trusted advisors to them so they would engage us because they needed some legal help but actually we'd almost be parachuted in as, as kind of project managers to some extent um Because, like I say, we we were the trusted advisors and those were the bits and those cases, you know, weren't all the time. But but when they happened, those are the ones I enjoyed the most. So um, I started speaking to our local county football association, which is West Riding. um, And, you know, this is the scope of football. It's, you know, one of the biggest county football associations in, in the country. And it employs, you know, 20 odd people, bigger than most governing bodies. You know, you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of participants. So. Again, what could I offer? What, were my, what was my background? What were my skills? What would, what, what would I bring? What was my business case for them creating a role for me? So um, obviously, my experience at the FA, understanding that discipline, my experience from private practice, um, my kind of project management operational side. So um, it turned out that there was a role that we could create. So I became um, head of operations and legal. Um, so in-house lawyer but also wider on the operational side, kind of directly beneath the chief exec. Um, and again, just, you know, I'm back in football, absolutely loving it. And then the opportunity to to get back into a national governing body without moving. And at that point, I had a very young child. So it became clear to me that, yes, I'm absolutely loving this and it's great, but I think a national governing body is kind of where I want to be. Um and just the role came up. This wasn't one me going, looking for it. So
0: and why did why did, you, why did it become clear to you that the national governing body was where you wanted to be?
1: So at that time, um, I was on a bit of a trajectory. So I always think it's really important to have an end, end, like this is my next role, this is my next role, this is my next role, but always kind of have an idea where you're going. So I knew I wanted to end up as a kind of chief operating officer, potentially chief exec of a large organization this is back at that point of a, of a large organization so I'm always trying to think think what's my next step to get to that point point. Um, and I knew that staying in a regional association no matter the size no matter the quality of the work no matter what you're doing wasn't gonna end wasn't gonna result in moving to that I would realistically need to get myself back into a national governing body, um, take the skills that I had developed and apply them nationally. And once I was in, I would continue to move. Um, and that was that was what I was thinking. And then just out of the blue, head of legal role gets advertised at the Rugby Football League. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an in-house counsel where I am it's you know you couldn't have written a, a more suitable job description um i do al- i always back myself in terms of once once you're in somewhere that you work hard you hopefully you're personable and um, you don't you're not hopefully <laughs> hopefully yeah you're not you know <laughs> backstabbing rubbing people up the wrong way all that sort of stuff yeah you'd always like to think a, a, a role you'll develop so um going as head of legal, uh, and then lo and behold, after maybe say a year, um, moved up to director of projects and legal. So, um, perfect. Literally, when I think back to when I first started getting involved, realistically, what was the role I was aiming for? It was probably one step above that. So if I'd have ended up as chief operating officer at the rugby football league or, or an international organization or whatever it was, if you'd have gone back in time and said, what's your dream role? What's going to make you stupidly happy would be that role. Um, definitely. So I'm there and, I, and it's going well um, and I'm thinking, great. And I've got kids. So kids come into the mix and, and they just completely change everything. And I had a couple of interviews um, for the roles actually so at that point um I'm also doing lots of disciplinary stuff so I'm kind of knowing where my next steps are so I'm volunteering onto boards um I'm volunteering onto discipline panels all the sort of stuff that you have to do to develop yourself so I'm all you know I'm always thinking what's my next move what skills will I need to get to that point so what do I need to be doing now to develop myself to get to that point so um I'm volunteering roles here I'm volunteering roles there it's all going very well um and then you know I have a couple of interviews for, some, for for some pretty big roles I get offered one and um me and my wife just sit down one day and um we sort of like we're there this is it now this is what we've been on the convey about towards and then it was just like is that actually going to make us happy so, well of course, it is what I've always wanted to do, and why sort of saying well why always why, what's the why, why 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 why, and um work that through and and again, just always being open and honest with yourself and kind of taking time to take a step back and, and reflect um no, you know that that for me, the work life balance would have was tough as it was, and I think that next step would have got even tougher um and I don't think there's a, it's not, there's a real pride to working hard all the time, always on call. Um, and actually, you know, it can be, it can be damaging Um it can be Extremely really damaging. damaging for people. And look, you know, what is it? One in four will have mental health issues at various point in their lives. And, and, um, the, the legal world will, will either attract people who have those tendencies anyway or um, can perpetuate them. You know, atten- what, what makes good lawyers? Um, attention to detail, hard work, lots of control, real understanding minutia, taking on lots of stress, lots of pressure. Um, and, it, you know, I'm completely not ashamed to say that I've had various issues over the years. Um, and for me, I think it became very clear that the next role that we'd always thought right this is gonna make us happy, this is where we're at, we're into would 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 not actually would would cause some real problems so um yeah that was that was a really tricky point. so I got offered a role which on paper was fantastic but didn't quite work out. Um, there was other roles I was going for, wasn't quite getting there, but I was probably only six months away from from getting to that point. And um, we just had a real sort of frank conversation about what do we need to do to to make us genuinely happy. So again, back to the pros and cons list.
0: How, how can and and how uncomfortable was that to to admit that? Because I've had that in my career, and you know we do. You know I do this with with our mentees, with with people that we've helped out over the years. Is the same thing, right? Like truly, truly be honest about what it is you want and it's so hard because for all the reasons you described and a good friend of mine who's a strength coach Greg Smith has done does a lot of work with uh high performance lawyers and he's research yeah brought together research from the law society from the American Bar Association and he absolutely literally was almost verbatim what you said about the personality types it attracts and how that can you know lead to yeah, you know, almost a, at times a catastrophic situation for people. Um, you know, whether it just gets too much because you're constantly being rewarded for, you know, striving. Yeah. Right. There's no, there's no, there's no respite from it. So, I have found it very uncomfortable to admit what I truly wanted, and and I still think even now you have to reassess all the time, you know, as you have at various intervals because you don't realize that you're like moving away from it or. Yeah, you know, where you're at, right? All your knowledge and understanding of the environment changes for you. How how uncomfortable was that to you? Know, given that you were finally in the position, right, where you could, you know, if you put it in an athletic context, like achieve gold, and to say actually, gold's not really what I want. This isn't everything to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was it was the opposite of uncomfortable. It was like like a moment of clarity. It was like you know. Uh, You know when you're driving and the sun's in the clouds and it Mm. pops. It was literally like I'm quite. a, My brain works quite visually, and it was it was like that. Um, So the
0: alleviation of pressure was it like as in yeah? Does that total the total weight as in I don't have to I don't have to attain anymore? Yeah, I'm here. I can. Yeah, yeah. I got control. It
1: was like it was it was. um, It was like it was my decision, my choice. For so long, I'd I'd been I'd been either trying to prove it to people so you know um you got a 2-2 at university you're never going to be a lawyer right I'll show you I'll be a lawyer become a lawyer yeah but you know you're only gonna be a little tin lawyer you probably you know you you're not good enough to, to do your training contract to the FA that's obviously not what was said but that's what you think no, right yeah, yeah, I'll prove yeah. you I'll make it as a sports lawyer you make it as a sports lawyer, you qualify. Yeah, but you know, you know, you're going to go in house. But you know, you're only at regional. So I'll show you. I'll get back into a national government body. Yeah, but you know, it's only UK. Well, I'll show you. I'll get international. And I'm always there. And it's just, just always being honest. W- what are you doing this for? Because actually, you should never do anything to prove something to other people. You've always got to do it to, for yourself, yourself and your, but do, your family. Do you think-
0: but do you, do you, do you think? I think it's one fantastic advice, and, I, and and you know, I've had a series of guests on the podcast recently, and I think it shows the way the world's going, and people being so honest about um, the decisions they've made and why they've been making it, which I just think is absolutely fantastic um, for others to hear, because I think it's a difficult world, particularly with social media and everyone painting the picture. You don't see all the suffering that goes on behind the scenes, right, to get to somewhere. The um, do, do you think you realised? in the moment at the time, or was it, did you just like stuff it down as Bill Burr says, stuff the emotions down, right? Do you think at the moment when you felt that, you know, someone was telling you, hey, you know, this isn't the right for us to offer you, uh, uh, you know, your training contract at the moment, and you, as you said, interpreted that in a certain way, do you think you're aware of that at the time? Or do you think that, uh, and if you were, do you, do you just suppress it and just use it as motivation? Did you, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Were you aware you were behaving that way, or 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 were you completely unaware of it, right? And so just being reactionary?
1: Yeah, probably completely unaware. So you know, it's when you're driven, and I am extremely driven, extremely ambition, ambitious, extremely focused. So when you are that type of a person, you don't let no be the end of you. You just use it to just keep going. Right? We'll brush ourselves down. We'll go again. We'll go again. We'll go again. Um, so no, not at all. Um, and it was only, like I say, it was, it was when I was on the verge of what I had spent a number of years aiming towards. And I realized that actually that's not what I want. And, and, you know, people listening to this may say, blimey, Alan changes his mind quite a bit. He's only 37 and he's had all these (laughs) massive life changes. Um, and maybe I do, but, (laughs) <laughs> um i it you know it's it's um i just think you you have to trust your gut sometimes so it's that thing isn't it if you if you're trying to make a decision on something and you flip a coin and it's heads and that makes your decision for you what's your instinctive feeling do you wish it was tails or are you actually quite glad that it was heads
0: what well, this is really good timing because I was watching a video this morning as I was fatigued from our football law conference. I'm looking for I've got my sort of motivational videos and stuff and and things like that. And I was looking at one on decision making and it was a, a professor talking about um different parts of the brain that um essentially help you make decisions. And apparently the, the sort of lower part of your brain and I, I knew I should have written it down this morning but I was just literally having a coffee and I put it on but he was basically saying it has a non-verbal communication to the uh, prefrontal cortex I think it is or the, or the frontal lobe whatever, whichever the front part of the brain this, could, this is my uneducated interpretation of this if it, if anyone is a neuroscientist they're going to or yeah. anyone has any biological education they'd be having kittens at the moment but the um, what he was saying is basically it sends non-verbal cues do so you know that feeling you're talking about yeah. about whether this is right that is the part of the brain that's helping you the emotive part of the brain that's helping you make decisions because he described a lawyer who basically had a brain injury who had every was able to function logically deal with facts um, do everything, but his marriage had fallen apart. He'd lost his job and he couldn't work out why and he went to this um, uh, neuroscientist for help and he basically found out that part of the brain was damaged and it, made, it basically meant he couldn't make decisions Yeah, because that was a, a, a huge important part of making decisions. He could do everything else yeah. but he didn't know what to put. So if he said to him, here's your week, what do you have to prioritise? He couldn't understand work out what to prioritize because he wasn't getting that sensory thing so the part you're talking about but we call it the gut it's probably that part i'd imagine probably that part of the brain saying right given everything that's going on this is how i can weigh up for you but you you get it's a feel it is a feeling apparently it's not a a verbal cue which is totally on point for what you're saying
1: yeah no that would make that would make perfect sense and it was probably it's probably the first time that that i've really done it um and just being Honest. I've always tried at whatever point in my career to just be open and honest with myself and 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 those close to me and around me. And and it was, you know, and it you know, me and my wife were very much, you know, a team. We make decisions in tandem. Um and, you know, it it was just as soon as we made that decision, right? We're not gonna keep on this conveyor belt. We're gonna step off the conveyor belt, arguably. Now I'll come in a bit to the reasons why i i don't think that that's the case but um that constant kind of striving 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 striving, striving just at what point is, is at what point is is enough responsibility at what point is enough money and not, uh, and, and kind of who are you doing it for lots of people do it for themselves and that's absolutely great i wasn't that person i'm doing it to prove to people that i can and actually of course I can. It's my decision. You know, if I, if I want to, within six months, a year, I'll be doing this, this big international role that, that I think I want. Um, so we kind of made that decision. So then we go back to what is it that you want to do? And, uh, you know, we've had that discussion a time, a few times, so it wasn't quite as calm as that, but it wasn't shouting in my face or anything like that. Um, you know, it was, what is it you want to do? So, um, sport, football ideally it's you know it's my main sport but any sport you know I'm one of those people (laughs) you know you just love sport you love sport football is my main sport is it what type of sport so not professional sport so I've worked in professional sport and I've worked in amateur sport um and for me amateur sport just just drives me more ticks my boxes I feel that you're you're so far professional sport is a business it is a business. So one thing that I quite often say, and uh, you know, as a mentor on your scheme. So one thing that I quite often say is, is to, to people desperate to get into sport, what is it about sport that you love, that you want to get into? If you love you know, the rubber, the green, and you know, the, the family and the community, then as soon as you get into big business, professional sport, you're removed from that because it is a, a huge international business now. Um, so I wanted to get back into grassroots sport. Um, did I want to be a kind of purely legal role or a non-legal role or a bit of both? Um, no, I, I enjoy the project management stuff. I enjoy, um, kind of over overarching responsibility, dealing with different things day in, day out, all of that sort of stuff. Um, I have a real passion for management, um, leadership management, whatever you want to call it, um in all of my roles was building bigger and bigger teams so had more of experience with that really enjoyed doing that um and then literally um all of a sudden I I see my current role advertised and it's like you know that 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 ray of sunshine moment again um got a young family the opportunity to relocate to a role that that drives me that f- that ticks my ambitious needs that that's back in a area of sport that I love. um There's a beautiful part of the country f- to raise my family in, but also because of all my volunteering experience alongside my roles, I've always had that passion for that that discipline side of it. um So because of all the time that I've given up over the years, I, I'm then on sort of bigger um, and, and and sort of bigger panels um So I've
0: got. So so, just, so again, we talk about panels. These are disciplinary panels. Just just in case, I think everyone's followed that. Yeah, but yeah. Just in case. Yeah, yeah. So
1: so um, you know, so so I chair cases on the FA's National Serious Cases Panel. Um, I, I sit on the International Paralympic Committee's ad hoc body, and um, doing sort of anti doping bits and pieces. Um, I've just been pointed onto the Sport Resolutions Panel. Um. So I've kind of got the best of both worlds really. I've got the the bits of my legal career that I I loved the most and have the most experience in. Still got the opportunities to do those. Um I've got my grassroots football side
0: and so 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 at this point though so you should tell people what your role in entails and how the setup of the of 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 your uh, association um works because obviously we've had this call we've had this chat already but yeah for those people who don't know do you do you want to talk about the setup and 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 how many participants you look after and-
1: yeah so so let's not forget that i'm on that conveyor belt so you know for me we're moving to switzerland you know we're, we're moving to switzerland we're moving <laughs> to germany those are the roles that i'm talking about i'm going to get in that big international organization i'm going to do what i've always done i'm going to work hard and i'm going to keep moving myself up um So to go from that to one of 50 regional football associations, again, if I was doing it for the wrong reasons and doing it to prove to people, it's kind of, you know, well, what are you doing? You know, that's a massive step down for you. It's a massive, you know, cut pay for you. But actually, when you start being open and honest with yourself, truly, and you realise what it is that makes you happy, but you only get that with experience, um, you realise that actually, no, that, that, Path isn't going to make me happy. This is the path that's going to make me happy. So my role at the minute, so I'm chief exec of of the third or fourth um smallest regional football association. But to give an indication of the size of football, we have five thousand weekly players and about another five thousand registered um participants. So you know, talking ten thousand actually actively involved. Then when you add on all parents and and so on and so forth. It's massive. Herefordshire's only got 120,000 population, so you know you talk <laughs> about the size of football. Um, we've got a full-time team of nine, a range of part-time people. Um, we've got a brand new 3G facility, um, which had opened up just before I joined. Um, like all regional football associations, we've we've got a board and um, we've got a council. Um, we are a separate organisation to the football association, but we are one of our key partners. Um, So the role is, is fascinating. So, um, uh, sort of obviously all the football development team, so responsible for developing, um, and and driving the game forward in, in, you know, not just adult open age male, small sided walking football disability, whatever you call it. Um, and then the, uh, football services side, which is kind of running the game, um, and we, we obviously are, are a facility provider. So we've got about a million pound facility, which we run and operate. Um, and, you know, my role as chief exec is, is a classic role of chief exec. There's, there's sort of 30% firefighting, uh, 30% local um, sort of, not politics, but, you know, local partnerships and working with local partnerships. Um, strategy looking however many years ahead making sure that you you know you're leading your team to lead their teams to to develop and achieve that and the rest is you know you never know what's what's gonna happen there's chaos it literally just could be anything could be absolutely anything um and uh, I joined a week before lockdown, so I've not had the most straightforward start to a role. Met the team, got a great feeling, great, and then everyone <laughs> everyone goes home, and then <laughs> we put them on furlough, and then everyone's obviously back now. Um, but it's just from from the second I, w- I we walked through the door, this we just knew that this was completely the right decision. Um, and it just, you know, it ticks all my boxes and, you know, I have conversations with people and they say, well, you spent a long time qualifying as a lawyer. You, you know, you did your LPC and then you had a couple of years and then you did your training contract. And does and it not feel like that was a bit of wasted time? And, and actually the flip of that is, well, no, because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't qualified as a lawyer. So yeah.
0: Do you think there's a there's a like I was speaking to someone else, or I mentioned a name? Hopefully, become a guest on the podcast as well. Speaking to someone else about this, do you think this is something where, again, sometimes the legal community, I think, and at times can feel like if you step aside, or at least it's an unsaid thing, that if you step aside and do something else other than law. It can be perceived as, or maybe it's not the legal community. Maybe it's people how people perceive the legal community or being a lawyer. Maybe it's less so actually from the legal, from other lawyers, and it's you know it's from people who aren't lawyers who just see the amount of work that goes in. They don't realize that when you're legally educated, it gives you a skill set, and when you've been practicing, it gives you a skill set that then can be applied elsewhere that you'd only get if you had qualified and practiced, as you say, right? So you're better equipped, not less equipped, or yeah, you know, it's not like you have a skill set, a bunch of skills that you can't now use. You've got all the negotiation skills or the drafting skills or, as you said, management, uh, skill set, project management. Um, do you think that's the case? Is it? Is it from people outside of law or inside of?
1: Yeah. So I think anyone inside law understands that when you're a lawyer, you're working... Um, in an area that gives you some of the, the most transferable skills out of any role that you know. So if you kind of think about kind of the main areas that people are involved in, in terms of the professional world, which of course lawyers are, they're usually quite focused on one specific area. But as a lawyer, you have to kind of turn your hand to absolute everything. And I think, um, I think lots of people who aren't lawyers don't really understand what it is, you have this kind of preconception well i saw it on tv so you're the guys in the wigs or whatever it is and there's only you know people base their own experiences on it well you know i spoke to a lawyer when i needed my house selling or whatever it is i don't really think that And, and this is how the legal world has changed you know back in the day it was very much right we need just a lawyer to sign this off get yourself signing this off now lawyers are very integral parts of businesses and organizations and I think that's why so many lawyers then become in-house counsel Um, and I think once you are then in-house anywhere I think there's no surprise that the majority of a, a huge number of chief execs or chief operating officers are from two areas legal and finance and I kind of thought why is that And it's so obvious. Those are the two areas that are truly across the whole business. So if you are a big organization, there's two and you're in a marketing department or an operations department or whatever, you won't interact with that many other departments. And, you know, until you get into a real senior leadership role, you don't really have much engagement at all. A few projects here and there. But the two departments you will all interact with at some points are the legal department and and the finance department. So if you're if you're that way inclined and, and you're you're very focused and driven, you take those opportunities to learn about all the other businesses. And you just, I think as a lawyer, you're naturally a sponge. So you just have to have an ability to, to absorb information and very quickly so your hand is something that you don't understand and part of your skill is within a period of time to understand it and not just understand it, but understand it intrinsically and also understand where you need to engage with other people to sort of develop that understanding. So, um, those are kind of the two areas that, um, you just see it all the time that once you get onto kind of, you know, I was on, on the kind of executive board at, at the rugby football league and, um, the people who understand the most parts about all the other parts of the business were always finance and legal that's not to say that they were better than other people they just had a broader skill set
0: yeah it's more readily it's it's more readily what you're saying is right you, you're just someone who essentially requires less training to understand everything that's going on and therefore you can um, get to decisions quicker again right so you can yeah, you know, uh, someone else may have all the right skill sets but less knowledge and therefore that, um, you know, to get them operational, let's say, right, just take a little bit longer so you don't have as much of a lead-in time so you can be effective a little bit quicker.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think, um, you know, as a, as a lawyer, um, when you're a chief exec as a lawyer, you can avoid a lot of issues um, because particularly if you're from a contentious background, You've been involved at that, that end point so many times that you just follow yourself back. And, um, you know, it teaches you so many things that, that make you a good leader. Um, and that's why I think so many lawyers go on to be excellent leaders in what they do. And, and um, yeah, it, it's, yeah. Hey, look, it's, can I you,
0: so, sorry, so I could ask you something. You may, So you are down this position, right? You, you're now doing it for yourself rather than for trying to please another, whether it's a group of people, a perceived group of people. Yeah. Given that you're in this place now, we are obviously, and you know, I have spoke to you privately about this. I can tell everyone it is genuine. You really do in, enjoy your role. Um, you're enthusiastic about it. Um, in, at least in terms of our discussions, it certainly seems to be making you you happy. You seem very content. Um where's your focus now because you always say you're looking at something right where's your focus now and what what's sort of motivating you given that obviously kids are a huge part of this
1: yeah so this is why this is why I know that um I've made those right decisions I'm not looking I'm not looking for that next role so my focus now is to continue to develop myself um I think you know if you're, if you're attracted to the legal world and you want to move through the ranks as a lawyer, you are always got interested in developing yourself. And I'm a big fan of that. So it's just about developing myself. So developing myself in my role at the minute, developing the organization, we've got some huge challenges ahead of us. Um, The finance world is changing in terms of how county FAs are funded. Um, I wanted a role that, that, wasn't at this point on a journey but wasn't at that point on the journey so we're we're sort of down here so we've got a long way to go um and then separately just to continually develop the um the sort of discipline side of of what i'm doing so the work that i'm doing on panels um and just continually develop myself on that and just just keep applying um applying myself in, in that remit and um and again you know if you if you said to me will you take what you've got now the the panels that you're involved with and the role that you've got i think the answer is yes um and you That's know it, cool. it's, <laughs> it's it is great look you know i'm 37 years old and i feel like I, i'm at a point that um that you, most people don't get to until much further on that um yeah i'm not i you know i'm not the type to to take my foot off the gas to any extent but it is very nice to be to be in a world where um you know if it get if it gets to an evening and a weekend and and you know i kind of i need to spend some time with my family or whatever it is that i can because you know i'm not making decisions that are gonna make or break 10 million pound deals or you, you know what it is but i'm i'm on the ground i'm literally at the coal face making decisions that you know i can i can be involved or or um help sort of others make a decision here and then w- wander down to a park on a Saturday and see in practice what that impact is. And, you know, the real good thing, so we run a player development center for um, it's like sits alongside grassroots football um, and it, it's for sort of uh, the the best players in the county. It's add on training and development. And, you know, we got that off the ground very quickly. Um, it was a huge amount of work, big effort from everyone. Um, and I leave my office when they're training and I'll go and quickly chat to the parents. How are you getting on? Love it. You know, we've been involved in these sort of centers before, but this is, we- and you know what, Lil, I'll pick a name, Lil Danny's absolutely loving it. He was going to give up football and he's loving this now. And you know what, you know, I I I, I can't rock up to a party and say oh you know stressful week you know I signed off 10 million pound broadcast deal here and this and everyone goes oh that sounds that sounds interesting <laughs> you know I can't I don't I don't turn up and say oh you know little Danny's happy but you know when, when I go to bed at night I know that I've made a real difference on that on that minute level and look you know this isn't I'm not you know I'm not um full of my own self-importance to say this is what everyone should be doing and I think it's just really important to understand what drives you be honest to yourself in terms of what drives you and never be never never be afraid never base your decisions on pleasing other people or being that guy at the party that that everyone goes well it's like blimey you know Thea, that's my wife. Thea's husband's doing all right, isn't he? <laughs> like, you know, it's like why are you doing that for? If 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 actually that is a natural, natural consequence of the role yeah. that you're doing and that that makes you happy and you're passionate about it, then perfect. Absolutely perfect. But for me, it just wasn't. And, you know, I'm I'm a you hopefully I'm a you know, I'm I'm not your ordinary guy. I'm a I'm a I'm a unique individual, I think. So there are lots of people out there doing those roles and, and happy days um, as long as, you know. I think,
0: I think the point you're making is 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 so I wax on about all the time that I think our life's quest is trying to understand oneself in the sense that, you know, it's really, truly, because we are, you know, and the science is now developing this area, whether it's on sociology, psychology, neurology, that we, we're conditioned, obviously, quite to a large extent by our environment. Right, So to truly understand why we're doing things, if it is to please our parents, to please uh, please our peers, to please, you know, and it's really hard to know that, right? Who do you think that you have responsibility to, whether it's colleagues, you know, to deliver a project when you feel like, you know, if you step away from a project at a particular point, are you letting them down? I think to really understand why we're doing stuff is so, so important, but it's really tricky, right? Because particularly I think, and I think it's getting worse, not better, because I think the pace of everything is such now that it's trying to get a moment to reflect like whether, you know, you you don't need to have kids to be busy, right. To, you know, to have certain, there's young people who are literally every waking second is consumed by something. And often it's not an intentional thought, right. It's, it's something that's been thrown at them uh, through their peers, through what they're posting on social media and everything else. I think I really do think there's so many people I deal with who are like, I would have, given my right arm to be in their position, like particularly at a young age that some of these people are at. And yet they feel like they've got, <clears throat> they're already underperforming at age 18 or, you know, because of respect to other people. I feel I feel deeply uh, sorry for a lot of people, right? And if they can, I think the advice you've given is such simple advice, but if you can have that, like, as you said, even if you do go, hey, do you know what? I'm doing this because I want to, outperform my peers great as long as you're aware of it and yeah, if that's yeah, fine yeah. yeah go for yeah, it yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. shoot yourself if that, if that's the thing that motivates you and you you can sustain that and you're aware of it and i also think <clears throat> what you're saying in terms of your journey particularly i can going talk from a, a young man's perspective or not a young man anymore but from from my own perspective probably from yours there is probably some of this which is the you know the testosterone pumping around right again and like where you're you know, the competitive side where you're really focusing right is that sort of you know, I need to finish this goal, right? We, again, they know, they know that, you know, the more epinephrine that you've got driving through your system, the more goal-orientated you are, right? So you know, drive, 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 As you get older, you have kids, you sort of mellow down a little bit and you're thinking, maybe I don't want to strive as much. Maybe I do want to look a li- little bit more around. Me. And I think, you know, it's just fantastic that you're able to, obviously you reflected on this quite heavily and I think it's fantastic you're able to share that experience. And I've also loved the fact, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think most people though, to be fair, no matter what role you're in you like to think whether it is at scale or on an individual basis you're having an impact i think i see this across every organization every individual that we deal with i think everyone likes to have a positive impact where they can it's whether or not they can see it or even have time to contemplate and i think it's awesome the fact that you can you know you're proximate to it and that's what motivates you um
1: yeah yeah definitely and look coming back to that earlier point i think the two key things for for me um in terms of you know developing yourself in your career is is firstly patience, and I think that um, that is such a fundamental issue in today's society that it's very much now 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 now, and you know social med- media is an absolute killer for that. Um,
0: Emails are a killer for you as well now, aren't they? Yeah, like, you're constant, everything is like constantly you send a response, go. you get back, you're email tennis. I think you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, yeah, constantly. And um, look, if I kind of think back, so, you see, you know when. When I'm working at the FA and and I'm feeling really down because you know I'm I'm not getting anywhere in my mind I'm not getting anywhere, um you know if I'm actively involved in social media you know there's pictures of me at the Champions League final there's pictures of me playing <laughs> on the pitch you know there's pictures of me in a suit and a tie coming out of a big case like all oh, challenging decisions today you know so so all that sort of stuff and people look at that and they're like blimey you know that's going all right for him isn't it but you know was I actually happy at that point lots of the time no because I didn't feel like I was achieving my goals so um that social media it's an absolute killer I'm just not yeah, just not on it I'm not engaged but the, the real be big really one is patience. Well, right? it can it can be really it can be really positive and for, for me look you know I'm going to say this Sean you know what you want to use it for is people like you. So like, <laughs> you're not on there, you know, you're not on there and you're like, oh, I'm looking at, you know, he's on holiday, he's on holiday, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's doing this. <laughs> I don't you know, go on holiday, actually- that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're like, you know, you, you're picking stuff up, you, you're not yeah. using it to develop for positivity because yeah. um, there's yeah, so yeah. much good on there. There's so much nonsense and patience. And look, you know, I, 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 I am very fortunate. I'm very lucky that I've had a a lot of lucky breaks along the way. But there's that mantra, isn't it? You kind of make your own luck. Yeah. You cool. know, what did I completely, you, know, you know, did I completely, was I completely lucky? No, I probably made, made a lot of that luck myself, but you know, it's very easy for me to sit here and say, you know, you've got to be honest, you've got to be doing that. And because actually there were various points in my life when I just had to just grind it out. But you know what? You've got to give yourself going. a chance
0: though, right? So, so I can't remember who said it now, but someone said that the whole point is being um, opportunity ready essentially yeah that's that's what you that's what that's what you're like in a football match right say for example you're a low league team you're playing against one of the top six of the premier league you know it's going to be tough right so you're just going to be disciplined about what you do until the you get that one opportunity and if you can create that if you're ready to take the one opportunity because you trained for it essentially yeah then you're probably going to give yourself a better chance and I think that's what what you're describing is that
1: a hundred percent and you know being comfortable being outside of your comfort zone um and not being so emotionally invested in absolutely everything because if you if you convince (laughs) yourself this is my one opportunity this is my one chance and when you don't get that because inevitably you won't look for every job that i've got (laughs)
0: yeah that's such as well this is the um again, there's some sports psychologists who talk about this, right? They, and, and some b- business executive coaches who talk about this, which is like, you think it's your only opportunity. You think it's the thing, but it's not. It's just another decision, right? It's just yeah. another event of many other events that are going to take place. You're going to go, oh, I need to win this championship. Do you? Do you really? Yeah. Or do you, is that really it? Um, yeah. so I think, I think you make a, you know, a really good point. And I think it's, the patient side of it, I think is so difficult for people because obviously the motivation and passion is the thing that drives you. And and obviously that creates a sense of urgency um, that that you need. But I think it's really, really tricky to get that sort of mastery. Um, I think some people are way better at it than others.
1: You also, you have to kind of be, you know, you have to be a realist as well. So um, you are, if you want to work as a sports lawyer, you are in a highly competitive industry so it's not enough to just do your job and go home and switch off and that's it you've got to be constantly developing so you know all of i look back at all of my my history and and lots of volunteer roles that i've done along the way you know they involved longer evenings than i would have liked they involved extra time but you know i was just a realist i i knew that to get myself into these opportunities where where i'd be the right candidate i'd need more in my cv than just a two-two from sheffield and a couple of years at the fa
0: <laughs> so what you need is and this is one of the things i, li- I like to listen to like jocko winning podcast because i just think it's it's really good um in terms of his a uh, uh, former navy seal um does a lot of stuff on sort of military history and if you look at say for example uh, survivors of uh imprisonment um uh war prisoner, prisoners of war sorry uh, survivors from Auschwitz and stuff like that, the people who survive, they have this thing like realistic hope. So it's not just blind faith, blind hope where you go, yeah. oh, someday, right. And I know that's an ext- very extreme, but I'm fascinated about what, what people were able to overcome because I think it's incredible. These, of so these people have just got such strength of character. It's un- like, literally is unbelievable. I would, yeah, I mean what what an, what an horrific what these people have survived. So I think you should take note from those very extreme lessons. And one of the things that's come up time and time again has been this whole point of like, I know that you know things are going to change at some point.
1: Yeah.
0: I just don't know it's gonna be immediate, therefore I need to stay like focused on being as healthy as I can, respectively, or having the little um little things that got them through the day in those extreme circumstances. Um and for some people, obviously uh their reality and the pressures of of trying to compete in this environment can be overwhelming but i think if they have as you say have that honesty and you know hope that they the opportunities will arise and then doing everything they can to get themselves in a the position then like you you'll be ready right opportunity ready uh yeah. to come through it. And, and the good thing is the market is developing so there are more opportunities than there has been and so you know um you know, it's great time for people if you want to be involved in sports law or or roles that require legal expertise within the sports sector mm-hmm. can I ask you something as well before we go, like I could chat to you forever about this but the um um 'cause I think this is you know absolutely you know fascinating um in terms of um how are you seeing uh sort of women's football and girls football developing in the county obviously it's like it seems to me that that's gonna be such a Rightly so, Um, uh, 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 a boom area. Um, Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's massive. Look, look, fifty percent of the world's women. Um, You know, you look at look at um, U.S. soccer. um, Women's soccer is absolutely massive over there, Um, and it's a real, it's a massive area for us. It's a real growth area. Um, So, the player development center that I mentioned. Um, the addition was a boys' development centre to our already existing girls' development centre. And our girls' development centre is excellent. And, um, you know, we've got lots of big women's competitions coming up, and we all know what happens when you have an international competition. The game just kicks on. Um, There is a huge amount of money rightfully being invested in it. Um, And I I think men's open age... Eleven v eleven Saturday Sunday morning, whatever it is um you're not looking at that continually growing, you're looking at that kind of balancing off whereas so so you've gotta you know focus your efforts where where there's growth potential um and women and girls is a huge area of growth um
0: and do, do you think, do you see, do you see like sort of more, not that there's been anything prohibiting uh, women participating other than <laughs> the discrimination, <laughs> but the, um, uh, do you see like sort of, say like a five aside and uh, started becoming much more, you know, an 11 aside, as you're saying, open age stuff started to become much more mixed over time because you know, it seems to me the way the opportunity there as well is not only in the, the high performance and as you're saying, the reinvest, the the, the refocusing of investment, the sale new investment. Um, it seems to me that as you're talking from the community aspect, that participation in community seems like as a concept seems really attractive where you have, you know, you know, mixed teams playing, you know, all different levels, depending on the type of competition and people's ability, of course, goes without saying. But it seems like, you know, having a, you know, a community team that's, you know, mixed um, as uh, as more investment comes into women's games. Seems like quite an, ex- you know, particularly you know, commercially, but for community, importantly, seems like something that would be extremely beneficial.
1: Yeah, definitely. Look, The key is if anyone wants to play football, they should have the opportunity to do so and um, they should have equal opportunities to do so. Um, and it should be in a welcoming environment. So, um, you know, if, if that means that you get mixed teams, great. If that means that you've got women's specific teams, then then great. Um, all I know is from looking at our numbers, it's an area of, of massive growth. So the, the, the biggest areas of growth um, for us are, are women and girls and, and kind of flexible alternatives. So, you know, I'm a perfect example. If I said to, if I said to the lovely Mrs. Darphy, right, that's it. I'm off every weekend. I'm going to play for 90 minutes, but you know what? It it might get called off at last minute and the pitches aren't great and it's a bit muddy and you know, this, that, and the other, oh, and I've got training as well, I'd be out the door. But if I say, you know what, I'm going to go play, um. 60 minutes and it's a flexible format and it's on a central venue at a 3g and it's going to cost a five and i'm going to do it once a week it's great because you know that health and social benefits of football are massive so you'll always have that that is so important that we never lose sight of the fact that we'll always have that existing element it's just just asking people one thing that we're we're massive about in herefordshire is asking people what they want this crazy notion you ask people what what they want and you listen to it and you try and do it for them so we've got a huge part of the game saying we don't want anything to change we just want to keep doing what we're doing great we'll support and we'll develop that then we've got the other side here saying i was involved in that but i'm not interested in that anymore because of this okay great well let's see what we can do because if you if you create the opportunity everyone wants to play football
0: uh, yeah I, I loved I loved that as a as a I haven't really even thought about this I haven't played football for such a long time uh, yeah. mainly because of like the you know i damaged myself at a younger age you know, doing, yeah to, to, you know, over training <laughs> and stuff but yeah you know, the the fact of you know having like a pickup what do they call like in basketball like a pickup where you just yeah go and say hey I'm up for playing and it's yeah. like you know particularly focused though like for me you know I'd I like the thought of being involved It's a little bit competitive, but not overly competitive where it gets out of hand really quickly. Cause you just think I went, I went to a basketball game like that once and I just thought life too short. Like for me, I, I didn't come yeah, for yeah. more stress. I just wanted to participate in something fun, but if there's yeah. something like that, um, rather than having to be like, you know, cause again, if you're in a five a side league, we have to be there every week and you just don't know what your schedule's going to be like. That's yeah. super attractive. Um, Alan, like, um, I love your journey. I think it's awesome. I love the fact that you've um, yeah, reflected on this. I love where you're at, uh, firstly, as well, um, I should say. But I love the fact that you have reflected on this and that you're open and honest about it. Because I do think one of the things that surprised me you know having the privilege to do law and sport is all the people you get to meet from all different backgrounds and the surprising thing is even if like there's more i forgot this fundamental belief globally we've all got more in common on you know because we are at the end of the day human beings and then we have differences when you strip away some of the cultural aspect we're we're still just dealing with the set everyone's just trying to you know work you know develop themselves develop their family help their community no matter where you are in the world I think that no matter if you're from a lowest school background or you're from the most privileged backgrounds, a lot of the things you, you said are ring true to all of those, right? No matter where you're at. Um, yeah. And so so it's really valuable. So thank you so much for sharing your insights. Uh, thank you for the work you're doing in your community. I, I love it. I love it. One day um, wh- when things are eased up, I'll come down and have a look as well. I'd, uh, yeah, yeah. Love you're love, more than welcome. Lo- lo- love, love to have a peek. Because uh, for me, that's the thing that I love doing as well. It's like, yeah, it's great as is you know, being a bit abstract. Obviously, we've got the mentoring schemes are a bit more hands-on than that. But I love as well just seeing things in practice because that's what makes you think, right, okay, the stuff that we're doing has some underpinning, you know, underpins all these other things that enables sort of a framework for people to build on. Um, And other than that, um, I know you're on holiday at the moment on the half-term week, so have a great rest of your holiday. Um, yeah. thanks for taking some time out to, to chat as you <laughs> we were joking around go it gives you gives yeah. you a bit of a break from chasing the kids around
1: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just stay in here for two hours now and say that it was a three-hour <laughs> podcast Look, thanks for having me on it was it was uh not something that i'd usually do i'm not uh people that know me will laugh at this but i'm not actually a big fan about talking about myself um so this was uh <laughs> all good. i just you know i just thought it was useful maybe i've got some some words that I think it's really useful helpful and if anyone wants to reach out I'm always happy to chat anything through
0: oh thanks Alan like I really appreciate it I think it's awesome advice I said I love the I love the reflective part of your journey I really, I can't tell you how valuable I think some of that will be to certain people. And as you know, with some of the podcasts we've done in the past, I did one with uh, Daniel Gee and we started talking about how do you prioritize work and kids and training? And I was surprised by a number of people who reached out and went, that was actually really useful. And We just thought we were just, you know, it was probably the least useful part. And I'm sure, I'm sure in terms of your career journey, lots, you know, it only matters if it helps a few people. And they find it useful. And likewise, if you don't agree, we'd love to hear, right? Like I said, if you've got a different outlook, because that's also good, right? To have a dialogue. But Alan, thanks so much. You can, you know, really appreciate taking time out of um, your f- your family holidays just to have this quick, you know, I know you, you said that you didn't consider this work. So I uh, appreciate <laughs> you uh, taking the time out to have a chat. It was awesome yeah pleasure oh and i should say of course if you like what we do if you like the podcast um, i was enjoying the chat so much i forgot to do the outro <laughs> but if if you enjoy the podcast um if you love this please do tell people about it that's how you know we are successful is that if you like what we do that's all we ask we don't ask for your money we don't ask for anything else share it with people if you know you found this useful as alan said the whole point is on here is that he wanted to, to be useful to people if you did find it useful obviously please you know Mention Alan. Mention the podcast. Um, other than that, thank you for your support. Whatever time of day it is, whatever part of the world you're in, um, thanks for tuning in. I hope you found it useful. Remember, for all the latest legal issues and developments from the world of sport, go to lawinsport.com and follow us on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, everywhere, and of course, go to Law and Sport. It is a hub which used by the best lawyers in the world. I can honestly say that. I've got thirty thousand registered members now worldwide. Do go there and use the material. Check out the other podcasts. Check out um, the videos. Hope you find it useful. And yeah, you know, again, thanks for your support.